0: In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today.
1: Good evening, everybody. How y'all doing? We got a great show planned for you. Going to be opening up the show, talking about moving to new life choices, new careers. And then later in the show, we'll be talking about tips for your first three way that's right so stick around for those important tips we always got your back for those that are trying to expand into some more creative diverse ways of relationshiping uh dms they are always open you got a question for us drop it in the dms anything you're thinking about we got answers for you or if there's a topic you want me to go deeper into or maybe a topic to cover that you haven't heard mentioned on love line thus far but uh, as always Past episodes of Loveline are over at wearechannelq.com. So uh, go over there, look for my face, scroll down, click on it, bam, bam, bam. Past episodes, so uh, check them out. So uh, yeah, you know, pandemic, a lot's come out of that. And just normal, normal life. People realize maybe the things that they've been doing with their time, their lives, are not exactly what they want to be doing or maybe some things have shifted. Unemployment, um, underemployment, or uh, hey, burnout, and unhappy employment. Because remember, what you're doing with your time matters. And our mental health is deeply tied to how we feel about the work we're doing. Most people that are employed spend sometimes more time with colleagues and at work than they do at home with their family or friends. We're working on shifting that. Remember, our lives should be rooted in joy and pleasure and relationship and experience, not work. We work so we can participate in the world, right? We live in a capitalist culture. We have to uh, pay for healthcare and bills and basic needs. Don't have that covered yet, we're working on that. Probably not ever gonna see that in our lifetime, but I still want people to understand that. Remember, mental health is tied to finding purpose and meaning in your life. And that's really what the work becomes about if I'm working with someone who's suffering existential anxiety or deeper levels of depression with what they're doing with themselves ego work, all this can sometimes be about what are you focusing your time and energy on throughout the work week, right? So again, if your career or your employment does not have purpose and meaning tied to it, we're gonna talk about maybe how to step into something else that does in place of what you're doing or sometimes these are things that you find kind of peripherally out in the world because you know some people's nine to five jobs, right? Uh, are there so that their downtime can be spent doing things with purpose and meaning, because not everyone's able to find that for their career employment. So it's gonna be a little bit of um, ambiguous topic in that you know you can kind of craft it to, to land where you need it to land. Um, but what are the first things we think about when I'm working with someone who maybe wants to step into something different with their life? Well, the first thing is we think very broad. We don't immediately start thinking, what, what are the job possibilities? We start very, very, very broad, right? And the first thing I tell them to do is make a list of all the things that you like. Don't think again in terms of employment or career, you just make a list. What are all the things that I like to do with my time? And that's how we really start to shape idealism, right? or romanticizing what could possibly be, but we have to start somewhere. And that's where we start to just really suss out what makes me happy. Um, Because it starts to then tie into the second piece. But the first piece are, what are the things that I like doing? What are the things I like participating in? When we look at the research on happiness, one of the things we look at is what they call signature skills. Signature skills are the parts of ourselves that we feel best when utilizing. Our signature skills are the parts of ourselves that we like knowing and seeing ourselves utilizing. If you're someone who enjoys numbers, right, and statistics, and mathematics and mathematical equations and problem solving in terms of numbers and theory, then you write that down and you start to realize, I might want something that utilizes those. Those are my then, you know, those then become what I call my signature strengths. So again, that would apply to anything. If you're spending a lot of your time, let's say doing things with abstract, right? Artistic based skills, it's not gonna meet those needs. Because again, you're starting to identify that you're someone whose signature strengths are more numerical. And it works in the inverse as well. If you're someone who does enjoy the the the, the conception or creation of new ideas or concepts, if you are someone who enjoys more artistic abstract, abstract traits and skills, well, then you wanna to start to align with things that kind of utilize that. Because again, happiness, and that ties to career choice and hobby choice is gonna be tied to, again, engaging in the things that utilize those signature strengths, right? So if I look at myself, I like, We talked about this once before, I think. I like abstract theory and thought. I like working with philosophy. Um, I like a lot of intellectualism. And so luckily that does tie into the books I write and the education I provide and the lecturing I do and even the media I do, right? But before I would even know maybe where I could go with it, I would just have to start to realize that that is part of what I like, right? Is that's my skill set. my signature signature skills. And so start there. Um, And then the second place we move to from there is we start to realize that we also wanna be participating in a system that is aligned with our values, our meanings and our ethics, what what gives us meaning. So that would be about starting to document, we talked about this, I think it was last week, like what is my mission statement? What are my ethics and my values rooted in, right? Um, Let's take a little pause. We'll come back and we'll keep um, breaking this down and unpacking this, and uh, then we'll be gliding into those DMs. Uh, you're listening to Love Line with Dr. Chris. Love Line is brought to you by Astroglide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We're gonna take a little break. We'll be back. Stick around. Hiring for
0: your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com t
1: righty, right, we're back. And we're talking about ways to move into the possibility of a new career. But this also could apply to hobbies, even education, right? Because ideally, all these systems or institutions that you're Uh, being a part of or working with or stepping into would really be aligned with the things that make you happy. It's okay to seek happiness. It's okay to center happiness. I mean, that's part of what we were trying to work on last year and this year as well. And there's a lot of other authors and thinkers doing that as well. But what if we centered happiness and pleasure in our lives? What if we moved away from hard work or misery or these ideas that, you know, it's, work is just something you gotta do and you don't always like it, but what if we didn't agree with that? And this is where I love generation, the younger generations, millennials, Generation Z, they're saying things like, no, our happiness and mental health do matter. We're not just gonna get a, you know, step into a grind culture and really make our worth and value tied to us working hard or helping other people make money off our labor, our sweat and tears, right? Like we want our life centered in what gives us purpose and meaning. And maybe that means we'll make less money um, but we're stepping into mental health, we're setting boundaries, we're asking for our worth, we're not working for less than what we're worth, we're not staying apart of systems that don't make us happy. And I love that. That's really important. And that's really far into some of our older generations that just kind of stuff, you know, toughen up and suck it up. But when we're starting to look at what might we want to do, we were talking in our last segment about number one, thinking very broad. We're not zeroing in yet on what's possible as much as we're just starting with an examination of who we are. So we're writing down our signature strengths. Those are the parts of ourselves that we value the most. So those are the parts of ourselves that we like using, right? Um, is it working with numbers? Is it working with your brain? Is it working with your hands? Is it working with others relationally? Is it about... Abstract thought. Do we like problem solving? Do we like working with numbers, right? Um, do we like things that have uh, a lot of standing and movement and fluidity to it? Do we like things that are maybe about operationally working step by step, like just saying what 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 do I what are the processes and topics and aspects of myself in the world that I like stepping into, then. Then we also move into the process, and we kind of closed out last segment on this, talk about how we have to look at what our mission statement is and our ethics and our values and our integrity because it has to align with that. We will not feel good with whatever it is we're doing if it doesn't align with what we feel is right. And that's also very difficult. I've worked with some people and I have some friends that weren't happy, let's say, working in marketing or advertising because their labor was going towards telling people that they need to buy products that are rooted in making them feel bad. Things like, oh, you know, here, buy these anti-aging process, uh, anti-aging products, which is to imply that aging's bad and we should be battling and it's a fight. And they would say to me things like, I don't agree with that. I want to be a part of advertising or marketing that says you're cool the way you are. You know what I mean? And there's no right way to, there's no right way or wrong way to do this. Um, I had a friend who's a really a, a top makeup artist, and I remember when I was in New York City visiting him, I was talking about this topic, and I said, you know, I know what your ethics and your values are, and you're all about authenticity and people living um, a life centered in you know mental health and well-being, and I said, how do you? then participate in uh, makeup, which in theory is saying you have to look other than you are. And he said, you know, it's really interesting you asked that because he said, I had to really make sense of that too. And he said, you know, the way I enter makeup is uh, from a place of making it about fun and art. And I would say to my clients, he said, uh, there's no right way or wrong way to do it. And you don't even have to do it. But if you choose to step into the world of makeup, and it's something that you find worth and value in, I can help you how to have more fun with it. I can help you how I can help you learn how to express yourself with it. It's not about hiding what we perceive as flaws. Flaws don't exist. People have different kinds of skin, et cetera, et cetera. We're not trying to you know fight aging. Aging is a natural, healthy process. But makeup can be fun. It can be a way that you express yourself. And I help people learn how to step into that confidently. And I thought, what a beautiful way to move through that world, because. His his um his ethics and his values are aligned, right? And that's important. Um, and I and I work with some clients where, like I said, they're not happy with what their labor is utilized for. They're not happy with what they're putting their time and energy into, and that matters. Your mental health matters. So again, we're working on signature strengths, the parts of ourselves we like using, but then we're looking at what are our ethics, because that has to align, and then we move into the third piece, which is for these jobs to be mental health centered. And I'm a therapist. I will always consider mental health first, just like everyone considers things through their lenses first. The the third piece is, it has to be something where you walk away feeling like you did something of worth and value. So if your hobby or your career or your job is something where you walk away and you're like, I just didn't even do anything with my eight hours. I didn't do anything that was of any worth or value to me or the world. That is not necessarily gonna be mental health centered or lead to happiness. You wanna be able to look back and be like, that had meaning and worth. Like I'm happy with what I just participated in. And, and again, some of us have careers where it's very easy to align with that. If you're a nurse or a doctor or a therapist, you're like, well, my work is always about healing and enhancing someone's life or improving. So I automatically can always walk away being like, my eight hours that day, my nine hours, my six hours, that was of purpose and worth. We need to figure that out. And again, not everyone's job is gonna afford that. Some people will be working in jobs that are more maintenance-based, right? Or helping or are a part of helping other people reach those goals. So then we have to come home and find that in another area of our life right that has to get acknowledged or engaged at some point so so know that know that 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 is like that is a check mark that needs to be placed in a box in our life then we move into the step of we have to think creatively I remember talking to a young therapy intern about this and they were saying you know I love the field of psychology but I don't necessarily want to work with people and I said well then definitely don't Study therapy because a lot of psychology gears gears you up towards taking a licensing exam and doing clinical hours and practicing therapy. And if that's not what you want because you don't enjoy working with others because that's not a part of your signature strengths, right? Working with others, engaging others. Um, your ethics and values don't mandate that you need to offer direct service. Um, and also the third piece, you don't want to walk away having been a part of a system like that. Well, then I say to them, think creatively, we don't have to literalize everything. If I go to school to get a master's in psychology or clinical social work, then I have to definitely be a therapist. No, we can think broader than that. We're gonna take a little break and then we'll come back and we'll keep unpacking this. I think this is one of the more valuable parts. Um, and then we'll be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Um, yep, we'll be back. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new channel Q and on Odyssey. All right, we're back and we're talking about new careers, bringing purpose and meaning into our lives. How do we even begin this journey? And as you're realizing, it's a very broad scope that we start narrowing down. So we were talking about what are your signature strengths? What are the parts of yourself that you like utilizing? Then moving into what are your ethics and your value system? It's got to align with that. And then it moves into you want to walk away from this career, job or hobby, feeling as though you did something of purpose and worth and value, Right? And then the fourth piece is you have to think very, very broad and creatively. Not everything's gonna be the standardized path. So some people might study psychology and I'll say to them, get into research. You know, get into education, get into writing. There's also these really niche forms like organizational psychology where you work with companies helping them better understand how to set up employee workflows and structures. There's educational psychology, like there's all these different niche pieces. So don't always assume that you have to go the standard route. People can get into some fields and then really flip them and kind of queer them and find these alternative, um, really creative ways of working within that dynamic. Not everyone again does that, that, that straight route um. So again, the, as you're hearing, everything's very, very, very broad. Our anxiety makes us wanna just kind of like start looking at what jobs are available, and I would say pause on that for a second. I want you to have a, 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 a matrix, a decision-making matrix or a rubric through which you're kind of assessing everything. Because I don't want people to move from job to job and just be switching the seats around, as I say, on the Titanic and going from one miserable situation to the next, because they don't really have a thoughtful process And I understand that some people just need employment, and I totally respect that. But for those that have time, which by the way, side tip, don't leave your job till you have a new job. It's better to look for a new job while you currently have one, right? It it decreases the anxiety, paycheck is still coming in, access to uh, benefits, and then while you have that job, take your vacation time, go on interviews, find something else, and then you, you move on. You know, jobs will replace you very happily and quite easily. You know what I mean? You, you have to have that loyalty to yourself and your well-being, right? Systems look out for themselves. Individuals have to look out for themselves. Systems don't look out for individuals. It's a system's job, an institution's job, its first job is to maintain its, own, it's to maintain itself. Always. And so you have to be thinking about what you need. So keep the current job while you're looking for the next one. But again, think broad, think creatively. There's actually a lot of books. Um, you can go to a bookstore or library that show you some of the alternative creative things to do with certain degrees. Um, take some time and do research. Maybe even reach out to people in that field and interview them. Um, but those are the main key pieces. This is the mental health version. Because when I look at the research, um, excuse me, for people outside the mental health field, they tend to be more tailoring your resume, networking and things like that, and all that's really meaningful and important. But that's not addressing the mental or the emotional health piece of this, which is you feeling good with what you're participating in, especially because it occupies such an important amount of time in our lives. So be very thoughtful about that. and also i think i think networking is a really powerful thing if you have access to other people in the field you can ask them about different career options and what was meaningful or not meaningful for them in those. I, I I love when I'm with friends that are maybe entering into becoming an author or an educator or a therapist or media work and they ask me my thoughts and I can kind of tell them like what's worked, what's not worked. But also I think it's important that we all have a little more transparency with uh, salary and things like that. We we should be discussing our salaries with our colleagues and other potential employees so we can support each other in getting the standard rate and getting as much money as we're all worth. I'm always happy to share with individuals how much I'm making in um, in media at least, so people can understand what they should ask for. I wanna help people. We have to be helping each other. These systems and institutions, they're looking out for themselves, right? But us colleagues or employees have to be looking out for ourselves. So please do be transparent and talk to other people saying this is what you should expect to make in the field. This is what I'm making at this job, so this is what you should ask for. These are the things you should be looking out for. I, I love being transparent like that. That's community care, that's social justice, that's also feminism. Feminism is about a horizontal power structure where we have we are cooperative, we are community-centered, right? We're prioritizing people, not systems. Capitalism is very dehumanizing, right? And it really wants us to burn ourselves out so we can be helping others make money off our labor. But mental health is saying, I'm a person and I have to come first. And what do I need? And we have to be looking out for each other. As I always say, we are responsible for each other. That's community care. So let's do that. That's the ethics of feminine, feminism and social justice is we do care about the impact we have on others. And we try to make other people's lives easier. And more importantly, we lift as we climb. As we get more empowered and rise in different positions, we help lift those below us and underneath us as we rise, right? and we empower them as we get power, We the trickle down. We need to do that. Um, okay, so we're gonna be coming back and gliding into those DMs, so if you got a DM for us, drop it in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. And past episodes of Loveline, go over to wearechannelq.com, they're all there. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it, bam. Post, share, binge, re-listen, good stuff. And then uh, when we come back, we're gonna be talking about tips for your first three-way. Yeah, there's a lot of things you want to think about. A lot of people just jump in. They just wing it. They get it wrong, create some issues in the relationship. So I'm going to help you problem solve that. Um, all right. <laughs> You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by AstroGlide, personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. All right, so we are back. It's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by Astroglide.
0: Gliding into the DMs.
1: Alright, this one's a. oh wait, this is a different one. Oh no, this one's long. Okay, hang in there with me all. This one says, Hey, Dr. Chris, can you be turned on from a traumatic event? So my boyfriend of 12 years has cheated on me in the past. And I noticed about two years ago that I was aroused when I thought of him with these girls. I suffered some trauma from his cheating, and the worst was when he had sex with his ex in our bed, wait for it, when I was in the hospital while my mother was being taken off life support. So again, I have concerns about the mental health of this person, that they found that acceptable or reasonable. So I just want to call that out. I know your question is not related to that, but I want to acknowledge that. Um, It sounds like that person has some healing to do and isn't ready to be your partner. Nonetheless, I know this is a terrible thing for him to do. We've worked through it. I plan on staying with him. Okay. Uh, Here you go. Your question is, does the fact that I get so turned on from a traumatic event mean anything? I've gone so far as to find porn that recreates that. What is this? Um, Okay, so I'm going to actually separate it out. You're not getting turned on by the trauma, I believe. You're getting turned on by the idea of your partner with others. And that is a very, very, very common thing, which is why there's a multitude of porn. There's a whole section of porn called cuckolding, which is all about someone witnessing, it's usually from their POV, their point of view witnessing their partner having sex with someone else. There's an entire genre of film. So is it normal? Yeah, it's highly sought out, it's very important. The numbers of people accessing that kind of porn are very high around the world. It, it's, that, it's that perfect level of anxiety and tension that spikes arousal. You know, there's a certain amount of anxiety that spikes arousal, and then a certain amount that'll actually be too much and shut us off. And it's that sweet spot. So you're not turned on by the trauma, you're turned on by seeing your partner with someone else, the violation of that taboo, right? Seeing them have pleasure, the novelty of it, there's a lot in there. I know it's associated for you with a trauma, but I don't believe it is that. But even if it was, that's okay too. If you are feeling aroused and safe within it and afterwards you're able to say, I enjoyed myself, I use that fantasy for pleasure and I don't feel worse off, well then we're good. That happens for a lot of people. They fold trauma into their eroticism as a way to heal and to work through as a way to take that which was disempowering and harmful and now infuse it with pleasure and eroticism. That's why BDSM and kink is very healing for a lot of victims of trauma. It's how they um, have a corrective experience from a place of power where now they're running that scenario. Now it's associated with pleasure and it's sublimated into something arousing and beautiful. Uh, We welcome that. I help clients do that. But I think for you, it's just that it happens to be um, something that's a very common thing, cuckolding fantasy, had a, t- a trauma tied to it. But nonetheless, cuckolding is very hot for most people. There's books written about it. And again, a total subgenre of porn. I love the idea of it. That's why people have three ways to have sex in front of their partner, to watch their partner have sex with someone, to celebrate and enjoy that. It can be very bonding and connected for couples. It's also why some couples watch porn together. It's the safer way for them to bring others into the room and to see their partner enjoy others while not actually having a human there. They just watch them watch the porn and they're watching it each other, watching each other watch it, and that brings symbolically other people in. Yeah, that's good stuff. So enjoy that. Don't make a problem what doesn't. Feel feel like one. I would never walk someone into a problem. I would never frame something as abusive or traumatic if their experience isn't that it was, because that's not healing. We're trying to move people away from that. So if something happened to someone and they're like, I feel good about it, then I'm good. And if you're saying I'm aroused by this and I enjoy this, well then enjoy and have at it. No problem there. I help walk people into kinks and um, and, uh, and creative things. When they're bored, they need novelty, or when they wanna work through something. Eroticism is a very therapeutic tool. So you're harnessing it and you're using it, so enjoy that. And I'm glad you worked through that with your partner because you deserve someone who will be honest with you around what they need and where they're at and not harm you. Cheating is very harmful. It's a horrible way to manage whatever it is someone's struggling with, and the better way to deal with it is head on. So let's stop doing that, but um, love your question. Got to take a little break, and uh, we're gonna keep. We're gonna come back and talk about how to have your first three-way, because a lot of people are talking about. It. We've talked about this on the show before. We're gonna talk it about it again. I think there's a lot we can learn from it. And uh, yesterday, someone asked me a DM that was kind of related. So anyway, hope you learned something from it. Um, DMS always brought to us by Astroglide. Goddamn for us dropping the DMS on our Loveline IG page and uh, past episodes of Loveline are over at WeAreChannelQ.com. All right, we'll be back, y'all. You listen to Love Line, brought to you by Astroglide on Channel Q and Odyssey.
0: Gliding into the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide.
1: All right, we're back and we're talking about tips for your first three-way or maybe your fifth three-way listen, monogamy is not for everyone. We all know that most people actually fail at it. Monogamy is very difficult. And I think a lot of it's because the way we run monogamy, we suck the life out of people. We've run monogamy quite toxically. I've talked a lot about toxic monogamy. Um, go to my medium page, Google Chris Donahue medium. My medium page will come up. That's a, um, a website that writers can use to house all their articles. And I've written a lot about toxic monogamy, but go on there. I guess you could just Google my name, uh, Chris Donahue, Dr. Chris Donahue toxic monogamy. And, uh, it really maps it out. And that's part of the problem is we suck the life out of each other. You know, we give our friends all this freedom and love and care and support. We get into a romantic relationship and we just want it to be about protection. And and we see everyone and everything out in the world as a threat Um that burns people out. It really, really, really does. Um Now, listen, open relationships aren't for everyone, just like monogamy is not for everyone. And, and often it's about exploring and figuring out. And sometimes it's case by case, partner by partner. Phase of our lives by phase of our lives. What makes sense at one point doesn't always later. Trust builds, things change. It's okay to always be shifting and growing. And remember, once we do one thing, doesn't mean we have to do it again. So for those that are saying like, hey, I would love to have sex with others, or I'd love to see my partner have sex with others, or we want to kind of diversify, there's a lot of things you want to think about because Three ways should be something that has a beneficial, positive impact on you and your partner. So start there for a second. Why are you guys doing it? That's the question I want you to start with. We're being psychologically minded. If it's because I don't really wanna have sex with my partner anymore and I'm afraid of discussing that or I'm afraid of leaving and this is the only solution I can come up with, good luck. It won't it won't hold you over long term because these are one-offs, right? Um, I want, I want, I want a better answer than that. Uh, if your answer is because we've been together for a long time and we want to explore our sexuality together and individually and with others, well, that's a great answer. Right? Is it because you guys have different sex drive or sexual interests and we want all of our needs to get met? Well, that's a good answer. You know, is it because we're feeling safe and secure and we want to just explore? That's a good answer. But if you're trying to solve a problem, it's not going to solve a problem for you because it's not a solution. It's an experience, it's an expansion, it's growth, it's fun, it's pleasure, it's joy, it's excitement, it's learning. But it's not a solution for something other than maybe I wasn't built for monogamy and I'm failing and I don't want to just keep harming my partner, which is kind of a side topic. But just just get your reasoning correct because it could let you down if you have far too many expectations upon it. What it does do a lot of the time, though, in healthy couples is it actually can amplify even their partnered sexuality where it just kind of re-eroticizes each other. Seeing partners engaging sexually with others can really ramp up the way we see them. Again, like I said, it re-eroticizes them. So it's a way to kind of bring it back in. Um but I only recommend it for healthy couples. If you guys aren't doing well, work on doing good and then step in because it's added complications. And if couple if couples already struggling with communication, boundaries, jealousy, this is only gonna amplify and make things worse. So work on having a safe, healthy, functional relationship and then step into this. Um, So the first thing is, again, like I said, we don't wanna, this isn't supposed to have a negative impact, so we wanna make sure everyone's happy, everyone's feeling comfortable. So we don't step in unless everyone's on the same page. If your partner's saying, I'm not interested, I'm not ready, I'm not feeling safe, then we're not ready, right? So that's the first piece, make sure everyone is ready. Also. Set some boundaries. What are you looking, what's your mission statement in this? What are you doing this for? What are you looking to have happen? I want people to be able to talk about that. If you and your partner can't openly talk like this, then work on that first. Work on building a transparent, more intimate relationship because it requires more communication, having three ways or an open relationship. So again, if you can't just say, hey, let's talk about why we want to do this and what we're hoping to have come out of it. If you can't have that conversation, you're not ready. But I want you to talk about it. What would you love to see happen with you? What would you love to see happen with your partner? What do you think you're not comfortable seeing happen? We have to be able to talk about that. Here's, here's what, you know, some people will say there are certain sex acts that we don't do together. So I'd love to have an opportunity to do that. Or I'd love to see you doing certain sex acts or whatever it is. And then someone might say, but there's limits. Talk about it. Everyone has to be on the same page with that. Right, it's for all of us. It's not just for you. It's for all of us. So talk about what you want to see have happen. Talk about what you don't. You know, I also recommend having signifiers, signals, words, safe words, things you can do or say that imply I'm not feeling comfortable anymore or this isn't working for me. Ideally, I'd want you to be able to say that outright. Why, why do we need secrets? Why do we need secretive words? We're we're three adults in theory. And we should be able to say, hey, this was feeling fun, but it's not anymore. Let's call it a night and, and, and you know, maybe another time. I want us to all be able to say that. But if it's not as serious as needing to stop, but you're saying like, hey, I want to be able to just communicate that I need whatever it might be, a little more care, a little more attention, whatever it is, then come up with some kind of safe word. But we, I want us to be able to ideally, though, communicate very openly, even with this third party right? we're We're not doing a performance. We don't need to be keeping the behind the scenes behind the scenes. We can be open and transparent, right? Like it doesn't kill the mood. I promise you when we're doing hot arousing things, we feel turned on. It doesn't kill the mood. Knowing what's going on into how the donut was made doesn't make it any less delicious. Trust me. You can watch them preparing it. You can ask thousands of questions about the ingredients when it was made and still enjoy it we do the same thing with vacations. We plan the crap out of vacations. Some of us down to every detail, the restaurants we're going to eat at, we've already looked at the menus. It's still fun when we get there. It's just that being able to set structures and some boundaries makes us feel empowered. It decreases any fear or anxiety. So focus on that. All right. We definitely got to take a little break. You're listening to Line with Dr. Chris. Love Line is brought to you by Astroglide personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. All right, we're back and uh, we're talking about how to uh, step into your first three-way. Like I was saying, this isn't for everyone. This is only for couples that feel safe and comfortable. If not, work on that first. Uh, we have to remember that this is something that we want to have a neutral to positive impact on us, our partner and our relationship. We're not doing this to harm anyone. So I'd want us to be able to sit down and talk about what are our expectations I want both partners to be able to say, what do you want out of this? What are you hoping to have happen? And I'd love for us to be confident and open enough where if something's going away we're not comfortable with, we can still say it openly with our partner. Hey, that makes me uncomfortable. Could we try something else? Some couples also want safe words that communicate like I'm not comfortable, right? And everyone has a right to stop it at any time. Again, this is about fun. This is about fun. We're allowed to stop at any time. We're allowed to make and request any changes at any time. This is about fun. So at any point, you don't need to just go along with it. There's no such thing as embarrassing yourself by saying no or setting boundaries or changing your mind. Own it and just be confident. Hey, that sounded good to me on the front end, but now that we're engaging in it, I'm not really comfortable. I'd like to change this up. Whatever it is, you have to be able to do that. If you don't feel safe saying no, if you don't feel like you can make requests or set boundaries, then you and your partner are not ready for this. You're not really ready for an adult relationship if you can't do that. So make that just part of life where you can talk about those things. Um, I want everyone communicating. I want you checking in with your partner. I want you to say like, how's this going for you? And it doesn't even need to be that statement. Sometimes it's just an expression, but just notice them. Ask yourself, how do I think they're feeling right now? Are they enjoying themselves? And the same thing with the partner that you brought in. They're a human being, they're a person, their comfort matters too. Are they maybe feeling uncomfortable? It's okay to ask questions. It's okay to be actively engaged and to bring up questions, right? And then sometimes here's the other thing. We all have to be very thoughtful about when we're doing it. I get that some people wanna maybe smoke some weed or drink some alcohol to you know relax, set the mood. I get it, those things can be enhancing but be very thoughtful because those things can also remove us from our judgment. Those things can also remove us from uh, the boundaries we might've set with ourself or other. So I, I advise not getting drunk. I advise doing it at, while as conscious, while as aware, and maybe as little as intoxication as possible because I want you to be fully present. We're doing this to have an experience, right? It's like, if you're gonna go to a movie or a concert and be so high or intoxicated that you don't remember, don't, don't go right, like you're not even there for the experience, right, so if you're so anxious that you think you need to be intoxicated to do this, I would say don't, I would say don't, wait till you are ready to be fully present in it, because it doesn't need to be done, and if you're going to do it with yourself being barely present for it, then I don't think it's right for you, or some things need to be changed, so really check in on that, you know, um, jealousy is going to be something that needs to be talked about as well, because you are going to see your partner maybe for the first time engaging sexually with someone else. And that means seeing them make faces they haven't made before or with you, making sounds you've never heard from them, or seeing them do things they haven't done with you, or seeing them holding space in a way they haven't with you. But that's what this is about. This is supposed to be that. This isn't supposed to look the same. We're bringing in a third party to have something different, to have something diverse, to learn about our partner. You have to be open to learning about your partner. You have to be open to seeing your partner in a different way. And if you're not, and just hearing that statement makes you uneasy, you're probably not ready. Because you will see your partner engaging in experiences, scenarios, feelings, sounds, forms of pleasure that maybe hasn't been something that you've been a part of. That isn't bad or wrong. We are relational creatures. We are different based on who we're with. I own that all the time. The way I am with my with patients in my office is not the way I am with my best friend, is not the way I am with my mom, is not the way I am when I'm lecturing to a crowd of people. I'm all those people. We're all many selves, constantly in context and relationship. And healthy people have that fluidity with all the many selves. We don't really have a core authentic self. We have many selves, and they're all authentic, all of them. There's some common threads, right? But we have to be open to some new things emerging in self or other while with this new partner, right? Because it's a new context. There's a new factor woven in, right? And we're going to be responding to that. So remember that this is fun. Remember that this is safe. Remember that you're in control. And remember that if this isn't something that's going right or feeling good, you don't have to do it again. Right, It's not like once we do that, we're always gonna be doing it. Well, that's not the case with anything. We can go on an amazing vacation and then realize we don't wanna go back to that place or we don't have the money next year, and we don't. We have impulse control, we have boundaries. To do this once isn't to give permission or to say I'm open to doing it all the time. It's okay to say, well, here's, we'll get to the next, we'll get to that piece because I was gonna kind of jump ahead. Um, also understand and be open to the idea that this isn't necessarily going to be perfect, but it doesn't need to be. Like I said, if we're going shopping or we're eating dessert, or we're, we have to be open to things going a little awry or going a little differently than we wanted or than we imagined. That's not bad or wrong. So we want an openness. We're going to set structures. Maybe we're going to have some boundaries. We're going to have a vision as to what we're hoping for, but we're also open to the idea that maybe it goes a completely different direction and we adjust. Maybe it wasn't at all what we wanted. It was horrible. Maybe it's far better than we thought. We don't know. These are people. People are always unknown variables and we want to be open to that. You know what I mean? So just remember that. All right, we're going to take a little break and then when we come back, we're going to keep talking about tips for your first three-way and then uh, gliding into those DMs. You're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris. Loveline is brought to you by AstroGlide. Personal lubricants and massage oils for everyone. We'll be back. All right, we're back and we're finishing out our segment on how to have your first three-way. Things to think about, tips to consider. And we were just kind of closing last segment talking about the fact that it's not gonna necessarily go the exact way you imagined it going. That's not bad, that's not wrong. It's people, things shift, things change. That is part of this game. Um, but you have to be open to enjoying seeing your pleasure. Uh, excuse me. You have to be open to seeing your partner, enjoying pleasure. You have to go into it with that goal that you are doing this for yourself, but you're also doing this for your partner, right? It's kind of like, sometimes we go see a movie we don't want to see because we enjoy their enjoyment. We sometimes will go to a restaurant that's not our favorite because it makes us happy to see our partner happy. And we have to enter three ways like that as well. It might not be ideal for us, but we might see them having a great time. So maybe we stick around and just, you know, finish for them, or maybe we just do it completely for them, right? We have a willingness to do it for them. That's a loving part of being in a relationship. And so if you see them really enjoying it, instead of going to jealousy or shutting it down, say, let me be a good partner and be happy that they're happy. And afterwards, when we sit down to talk about it, which is something we'll get to in a minute, we can process that and we can maybe not do it again or do it differently or choose a different partner, whatever it is, but Be open to being happy that your partner's happy. It's it's called erotic empathy, right? It's just called general empathy. But when someone we love is happy or doing well, or we are happy for them. But eroticism is that way as well. It's called erotic empathy. Um, but again, we want to make sure everyone's engaged. So check in on that. Like if you notice your partner's sidelined, do something. That's your partner. You care about them. Bring them in. Call it out, make some changes. Or maybe you say, hey, I don't know that this is the a right match. Let's kind of call it a night and you shut it down. I don't know, but be loving and be thoughtful. You're not doing this to harm anyone. So please don't let your partner be a third wheel where you're just centering and focusing on yourself only. That's not nice. Or even the third person that you brought in, make sure they're having fun and enjoying themselves too. Just have an awareness. You want everyone to be having fun, everyone deeply engaged, everyone feeling cared for and validated. We're not doing this to make people feel bad or left out, right? Um, And that's the thing. The final, most important part of all of this is afterwards you need to check in on your partner. We need to debrief. Later, afterwards, you sit down and you talk about what happened. How was that? What did you enjoy? What did you not enjoy? What parts of that would you wanna do again? What would you not wanna do again? And even if we don't do a threesome again, what can we learn about that for our own relationship if we decide to step back into monogamy? What do we think we learned from that? What do I wanna see again? What do I not wanna see again? You know, what parts of each other did we learn? What can we learn as, what what have we learned as to how we can be a better pleasure partner, right? And also remember that we have a right to go back and forth in this. You know, monogamy doesn't have to be a final answer. Neither does an open relationship. Excuse me. There might be times of your life where you realize, can we be monogamous again for a while because I'm feeling really stressed or I'm not feeling great about myself or I've just i been ill or I just injured myself or whatever it is and you're just feeling like that's overwhelming. And then at some point when everything feels good, you open up again, right? So it's okay to be fluid in that. Monogamy sometimes, open style. Other times, one thing is not a commitment forever in one style. Just like I say to people, this frustrates them. Just because at some point someone's like, yeah, let's do monogamy, that doesn't mean they're not allowed to change their mind. We're allowed to change our mind about about everything and anything at any point, literally. And you can go back and forth just because you say, let's have an open relationship right now or a three way with this person, it doesn't mean you can't say, okay, well that was cool, but I wanna go back to monogamy now. Part of mental health is everyone getting their needs met and feeling cared for. Part of mental health in a relationship is knowing that you have as much power and say within the relationship as the other person does. Part of sexual health is feeling as though you're getting your sexual needs met. And sexual health means we are sexually compatible. And if we're not, sometimes the way we get those needs met is through pornography, right? Solo sex, or having three ways. Or just having an open relationship saying, I'm not interested in that, but maybe you can participate in sex with that with someone else and I don't even need to be there for that. That's also a solution for some couples. We don't need to get every need met with our partner. That's that heterocentric, whether you're gay or not. Heterocentricity, which has its other form, homo, centricity or I'm sorry, heteronormativity and homonormativity are pretty much the same thing and it's this idea that there's only one right way to do everything. We often to fall into place. but we don't. We can ebb and flow, make changes, and healthy couples ask for what they need at different stages of the life cycle of their own life and their relationship. So there's always more to come, that we can ask for what we need as that emerges, right? But we're always keeping an open dialogue. We're always looking out for each other, and we're prioritizing impact on our relationship and ourselves. How has that impacted our relationship? How has that impacted us individually? We want it to be positive, neutral at worst but always positive but if it's having a negative impact something's off maybe you have not done the work to allow yourself to let go and participate maybe you haven't been honored or respected maybe boundaries were violated i don't know but we have a lot there's a lot that we can learn from this but again it's supposed to be neutral at worst but positive at best we're doing it to be enhancing it's something we're gifting ourselves and others we have options there was a time when people felt like marriage was a death it was a loss we don't get married again in relationships for loss. Our, our relationships, I'm sorry, our lives should get bigger, expanded. We brought someone new in. We should be doing more and seeing more. It shouldn't be a limit, right? It shouldn't suck the life out of us. So focus on that. All right, coming up next, we're going to be gliding into those DMs. So if you got a DM for us, drop in the DMs on our Loveline IG page. Any questions you got, we got answers. Any topic you want to hear more about or just at all because I've never covered it, let us know. And then uh, past episodes of Loveline over at wearechannelq.com. Scroll down, look for my face, click on it. Bam, there they are. All right, you're listening to Loveline with Dr. Chris on the new Channel Q and on Odyssey. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste because you know the bigger the fight, the better the reward.
0: Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.
1: All right, y'all, we are back. Now it's time to glide into those DMs brought to you by AstroGlide. Gliding into the DMs. This one says, hey, Dr. Chris, I keep coming across the term toxic positivity. I was wondering if you could break it down for me. What exactly is it? Yes, I can. I wrote an article on this. So toxic positivity is this cultural idea that you should always find the silver lining, smile, be happy. And it's really a shaming of feeling all your emotions. And, and again, mental health is feeling every single emotion, feeling them deeply, feeling them fully. Even if it's sadness, anxiety, depression, being mentally healthy is the ability to be depressed. Mental health is is the ability to be anxious, but to manage it. And to say, it's okay that I'm anxious or depressed, that doesn't mean something bad or wrong has happened. That's a part of the human experience. And if we're trying to numb out all the bad, we will inherently numb out the good. And some people will see that with medications. I'm pro-medication, and for extreme cases, for sure. But it also, it num- it quiets down everything. Know that. Medications just quiet down everything. They quiet down the good as, as well as the bad. And mental health is about being able to st- lean into and carry with us. So toxic positivity is... Is the denial or shaming or invalidating of of, of dark things. I remember being on a date with someone and I was talking about something that was culturally problematic and they're like, oh God, can't you just find you know the positive? And it's like, no, something bad is happening. We need to be able to talk about it. We need to be able to call out racism, homophobia. It's okay to say I'm having a bad day. It's okay to say I'm sad. Toxic positivity is when someone hands you a tissue to shut you up from crying or says, smile, it'll be okay. All these things that are saying, I don't want you to feel bad or I don't wanna sit in those bad feelings or those bad feelings aren't okay. We have to learn how to just sit in our experiences right so certain behaviors fall under that such as hiding what we're really feeling dismissing or minimizing emotions feeling guilty for feeling bad about something minimizing other people's experiences by saying don't think about that let it go don't worry about it um saying things like well it's not that bad other people have it worse which is like no everyone has a right to their experience and if someone's in pain that's worthwhile. It doesn't matter if people have more pain. This person still in front of you has their pain because there's always someone who has it worse, but that's dehumanizing. You know, if I have a bad day because my car got broken into, yes, there's some people who had their entire house burned down, but I am still allowed to be sad or feel bad that my car was broken into. We can still sit with and attend to that. You know what I mean? So we don't wanna shame any emotions. They're all valid. There's no good emotions and bad emotions. They're all just emotions. And I think in this wellness culture of yoga and meditation and positive thinking that we've started to move into toxic attempts to always be positive. And we don't need to always be positive. There is beauty and worth in the negative. You're allowed to be in the negative. Negativity is acceptable. Negativity is healthy. Negativity is honest. Negativity calls out injustice and what needs change, right? We don't want to be smiling as we're walking by someone who's without a home on the street thinking positive. You know what I mean? We don't want to smile if our car's been broken into. We want to be galvanized into saying, do I need to lock my door at night? right? Do I need to park my, my car in a different spot? What do I need to do to help those in this area get their needs met so they're not feeling compelled to break into my car? You know what I mean? So negativity is important. We, it's a, we're allowed to be negative. Our brains have a negativity bias to keep us safe. It logs quicker and more powerfully negative and dangerous experiences so we don't encounter them again. So it's an important part. So instead of saying, everything happens for a reason, which is offensive, Say, yeah, you feel bad, tell me more about it. It's okay to feel bad. Instead of saying failure is not an option, say sometimes we fail. Instead of saying something like it could be worse, say, how can I help you? I know you're going through something rough. What you're feeling is valid. You know what I mean? Instead of saying something really offensive and dehumanizing, like always look on the bright side, which there isn't always a bright side and you don't always have to. It's okay to sit in feelings. Say, I know this is difficult. Tell me more, how are you feeling? Like. Sit in it, sit with it. We don't wanna be afraid of emotions and emotionality. It's dehumanizing. Love that question. Love this topic. I'm going to have to share on my IG my article I wrote on this because it goes into it with more length. So definitely check it out. Also, if you want to check out my articles, you can go to my Medium page. Just Google Chris Donahue Medium. Medium is a website that hosts writers' articles. Or check out my books, Rebel Love and Sex Outside the Lines. Um, past episodes of Love Line over at WeAreChannelQ.com. Scroll down, look for my face, and click on it. There they all are. You can binge, post, share, re-listen, And also um, DMs, always open. Follow back on uh, Loveline IG page, but also drop your DMs in there, or any topics you want me to cover, drop deeper into. We got your back. But uh, y'all, focus on self-care, tons of rest, as much pleasure as possible. Thanks for hanging out. Be kind to yourself and those around you. And as always, enjoy the rest of your night. Or hey, or don't, because no toxic positivity. Have a horrible night if you want. God bless. Gliding into
0: the DMs is brought to you by Astroglide. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance.